Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is the podcast. Welcome to the show. Can I just reach out right here at the beginning to any of my listeners in the Chicago area? Look, I want to tape my special there. It's coming up this Saturday. I'm there for two shows. I'm at the Vic. Now, I know there's a threat of hockey. I'm taping this the day of the hockey game. I know there's a threat of hockey. I don't know how that will affect my attendance. I don't know how that will affect the city. There's concern amongst the powers that be that perhaps I should move my special. But I think I would like to prove them wrong. I think I would like all of you people in Chicago to come to my shows at the Vic, if you could. You can go to WTFpod.com slash calendar for the links to those shows and get tickets, please, Chicago. I want to take my special there. I don't want to have to, to move it a couple of months down the line because of a sporting event. Or because you guys had something better to do. This isn't a desperate plea. It's just I got it on the books and then someone you know, worried me about hockey. You guys are going to know by the time you hear this whether hockey will be happening on next, uh, this coming Saturday, the day of my special. Whether the, the city of Chicago will be in shambles because of hockey. Whether 90% of my fan base will just diminish that evening from my special taping to go to a hockey game. You'll know this Monday. And if there, is, if there is no hockey on Saturday in Chicago, we are definitely doing the show. If there is hockey, there might be a question and you will hear from me. But as of right now, I'm coming. So get your tickets, Chicago and surrounding areas, please. What else? Haley Joel Osment is on the show today. Uh, and before that, my buddy Jerry Stahl will be in here. Talking about his new lease on life and his new book, OG Dad. Jerry Stahl, the author of uh, Permanent Midnight and many other books. But I think you should check into all of Jerry Stahl's work. This is a great and miraculous turnaround in the life. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Jerry uh, was also a writer on the television show Marin. I I don't know if you're familiar with that show. The third episode aired uh, just this last week. That was, uh, that was very emotional. Some people ask me if those emotions were real. The answer is yes, they were. They were real. And I got uh, a lot of closure from, uh, from processing that stuff in that form. And I think I'm getting a lot of feedback from people in marriages. Married people saying, dude, what, what, dude, a little too close. Cathartic. Didn't know how to feel. Helped out, maybe. Don't know. Good reviews. 
very happy about uh, the reaction to last week's episode. And more people are watching this season, which thrills me. But this upcoming episode this week, this Thursday, uh, Racegate, it's called. It's uh, How can I give you a, a one-liner or two-liner pitch um, that doesn't give the show away? I decide that I there's not enough uh, black people uh black guests african-american guests on my podcast so i go to a black comedy club to to feel it out seek out some guests see what's going on i book uh bruce bruce uh on the show which wasn't easy in the episode and uh and then uh after the he leaves with his uh, small entourage a uh there's uh, something missing from the house so that's the inner struggle and the outer struggle of dealing with that. That's all I'm going to give you. I will tell you Dave Anthony is in the episode. I will tell you that. What the fuck do I need to talk about? You know, the great leveling is upon us. You realize that. The days of, 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 of superheroes are, are, are coming to an end. You know, I saw a couple of tired superheroes in the last week or so. Bono, Mick Jagger... The day of the superhero, everything will percolate now because of delivery systems and the way the the media is so fragmented and spread out and and the uh, the portals are so 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 uh, numerous. Everything's just going to percolate along at the same level with a few kind of uh, explosions here and there of people becoming transcendent, and then they'll just sort of drift quickly into the background. It's just another sort of like, oh, everybody got a real, uh, a real boost of uh, adrenaline excitement a few weeks ago from that thing. And a few people made a few billion dollars, but it's behind us now. When's the next thing on the percolating, leveled out playing field of everything is just okay? Am I speaking in too vague a way? What I'm saying is uh, because we're so wired in to a hyperspeed of consumerism not much matters everyone's just feeding just feeding not sure any of that made sense it seemed to make sense to me maybe you can make some sense of it all right so i'm i'm very happy that my buddy jerry stopped by i'm always happy to talk to jerry i talk to jerry a lot but not uh, not on the mics and it's an amazing story, Jerry Stahl, from a hopeless junkie to a hopeless uh, hep C sufferer to now a non-hep C sufferer, uh, completely healthy, new dad. Holy shit. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So let's, uh, let's uh, go to my uh, conversation with Jerry Stahl. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades, 
kids are needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Doll. How's your child? What What are your tasks around the house with the baby? Um, first and foremost, try not to kill it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> No dropping. No dropping. Don't put it on the hot thing. Again. Yeah. No uh, spilling uh, things. I try not to infect it. You know, we've often talked about uh, not being the guy who walks into a room and just like depresses everybody for no apparent reason. Yeah, Suddenly yeah. they're like, I don't know what happened. I, right. I was happy a minute ago. Yeah. We're, we're, oh, that guy's in here. Uh, yeah. God, Go the temperature's just like. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be the guy who infects my kid with like, you know, toddler depression. You know? <laughs> I don't want to give her tot pression. Tot so. Pre- <laughs> <laughs> so the alternate title but yeah uh so i you know i just work on being that fucking i'm the fun guy yeah i'm just the fun guy i think it's done i think as and knowing you personally i think it's done wonders for your temperament in general yeah I'm yeah much, i'm much more tolerant of people who shit their pants yeah yeah, yeah. on the you know anywhere in, anywhere in, in life in Any, life metaphorically yeah. physically so you could be sitting next to the guy and the smell comes you're just like it's okay buddy okay buddy yeah i got a baby i got a little thing right here (laughs) yeah let me me clean you up oh look at that you just go (laughs) go into that uh, the the uh the the infant equipped restroom (laughs) where the guy on the little (laughs) put him out well uh, little diaper bag with you well you know i think the best uh investment since pfizer came along with uh viagra the one the one stock tip i never took because i never took one but the one i ever got but you know boomers if you see the ads for diapers now there's no, like hip, there? hipster diapers. No, come on. Absolutely. You're making yeah. it up. No. Really? On my mother's grave. And you know how I feel about my mother. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you don't have to stop. Really? Oh, really? Don't have time to slow down. Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing. And they're, and they're all kind of cool and they show like cool guys. Why haven't I seen cool this? Car. Is this on TV? Oh, fuck it. Well, because I'm up at night. It's a de- it, like a depends angle? Is yeah, it, it's depends. New it's depends. Like, it's new depends and it yeah. depends for you. Yeah, with like the uh, with like the Grateful Dead steal your face logo on the diaper or perhaps uh, the Rolling Stones tongue, like the popular boomer well, the, see, musical That's what groups. I'm thinking. I think if you and I were investment entrepreneur types, more mm-hmm. than what we are. You can make the second Seattle diaper is absolutely that yeah mm-hmm. crotchless diaper come uh, on uh, it's for everybody not yeah. just for those people anymore no it's the- for us <laughs> Well, a crotchless diaper, I think, would defeat the purpose. No, it kind of would, but I'm just <laughs> for special occasions. Uh, but maybe one with the, uh, you know, with some lace. Oh yeah. my! Oh, come on! Why do people shit their <laughs> pants? Because they can. Oh yeah, but I mean, is there? I guess that's because uh, it's not all shit based. It's prostate. I think. It, like I think it's mostly the mostly the, the prostate. Dri- it's a lot of guys with dribbly prostate. Oh, tater fuck. tots, tater tots. God damn it well you don't have to worry about that unsightly like you know i mean i've worn black for years people think it's a statement no no i just don't i don't don't want the fucking drip you're dripping come on i don't know how long do you have to like shake your dick out after like i don't know that's the eternal question it is i see guys doing it for so long i think they're masturbating (laughs) you know (laughs) 
<laughs> I know, but like I understand it now because you know. But it doesn't get... matter how much you shake. There's it's always gonna... that one drop. Ah, shit. Yeah, there's the know. stuff that's in the bladder. It's sort of like, nah, I'm gonna wait. Gonna wait till he's all zipped up. Just well, drop you know, out. I, I blew my kidneys out back in Hep C days. They were doing double duty. So now, I mean, I go to the bathroom. Then I either just turn around and go back, or I just walk to a different bathroom. Oh, so okay, so but yeah, have you talked about that? You, you, you this is like, an, see, to me, when people ask me about Jerry Stahl, as they will, because uh, we work together. You wrote on my show this last season. Yeah, high point it was a high point. For They're me. like, well, how's he doing? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but he seems great. <laughs> I don't, don't, I don't fuck with my reputation. I, 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 You're I, killing me, man. I, exactly. I'm like, you know, he's got this baby. The, he kicked the hep C. It's fucking like he's like a new man. People like him. He's fun to have in a room. That's oh, crazy. I know. Well, I, you know, you, I had that. Does really... it bother you when, when I say that about you, though? No, it's, oh. it's, it's because it's the last frontier. I mean, you know, I had that grim revelation when I got cured. Like, geez, man, you like spent your entire adult life either strung out or ill. Right. Or dying. Well, basically. most of the time that I knew you when we, you know, we did another thing together and you were just sweaty and dying all the time. Yeah, and like, I know. you know, not a lot horrible, of fun to be around. Horrible yeah. medicine. Well, that was, I think, a lot of it. I mean, do you even remember? Were you ever this free of that shit? Like, never. Free of, never. Do- free of dope and free of sickness. No, never. Wild. Never. At That's the ripe age of 113, I've like emerged as like, hey. I'm okay. I'm I don't a- feel like shit. <laughs> I thought feeling like that was the human condition. Was this feeling like warmed over shit? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it has a lot to do with that thing you were talking uh, about before. The sort of like being uh, heavy in the room or being- yeah, the a- guy who's just a drag. Well, because you didn't feel well. And you were I like- didn't, you were, but you, I didn't, but you know, you, you, you want to rise above and, yeah. and just suck it up. But you know, I, I wasn't- suck upable so so this is like to me this is amazing because like uh like i think i talked to you about uh you know writing uh, a book but but you know obviously you did you did your angle and you did it before i brought it up jerry stall this is a og dad the, the new collection of essays but like i thought maybe there was this outside chance that uh, you would actually become like almost a spiritual uh kind of uh, uh buddha-like parent that saw life completely differently now that you have a baby, but no. You're saying I'm not? Maybe you are. Are you? Uh, on the inside. <laughs> See, I think that guy- Wait, How do we get that out? Well, I think that guy would really depress the room. <laughs> Come on, oh, we expected worse out of you, Jerry. Buddha again. Yeah, yeah you know? here we Give go. Me, uh, the wise one. You know, easy lotus boy. But because but, you have a, a, a daughter who's- in her 20s. 26, yeah. That you were absent a bit during well, her childhood. Well, let's just say I was a dope fiend, and then possibly even worse, I was a celebrity dope fiend. So <laughs> I was the guy at birthday parties, like the parents would herd their yeah. children into a different room. Oh, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> don't oh, get, don't, don't get any of him on you, either psychically or otherwise. I heard him on Oprah. He's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So she had to grow up with that. Yes, she did. Now, with Ri- this- Riding buses. I was living in a garage, not to brag. I mean, it was- Riding yeah. buses to visit you? Yeah. I would pick her up. You know, I, I showed up miraculously, but, yeah. you know, not that that was necessarily a good thing. Oh, you, you know? took a bus to-, to- I took a- Or I, we, we would go to my garage on a bus, and I yeah. would take her back. It was just like, oh. <laughs> no knock on bus riders, but it's LA, so, you know, it ain't a prestige gig. Now, are you aware, are you sort of uh, showing this one uh, attention with a vengeance? Well, I'm in the house, so yeah. there's that. Right. You know, I was kind of living at the corner of crack and eight ball. You know? <laughs> so uh, right. I wasn't doing a lot of dad. I, right. I don't think I ever, you know, sadly really put my first child to bed or any of that stuff. You know? Yeah. So, oh, really? Uh, you know, yeah. no recollection of that. 
I don't recall it because I don't think I did it. You right. Know? But there's a lot. Of, I just didn't recall anything. Mm. The screaming. I just wasn't there. I thought I was like kind of a good dad, <laughs> considering that I had a, like <laughs> yeah. a zillion dollar a day dope habit and yeah. stole fives out of her mom's purse every time I visited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I told you that story where like you know that poor her mother like got bust. You know, it's like somebody was using your ATM card. Oh really? And I was that guy. I was like, oh, that's fucking awful. Yeah. <laughs> and then they uh, go to the bank and they have like the tape and yeah, it's me. You. <laughs> like, oh, you recognize that guy? oh shit my doppelganger oh. at it again but do you, now do you um but do I, you like I, I like i don't know what it's like to have a kid because i don't have one but i have to assume you feel like a, a, a with with the baby it, it, you're a little more clear in, in terms of the type of love you feel do you feel sure. that love for the kid yeah, I mean, it's the great thing about uh, kid. I mean, you know, I, I love her. It, it's great. And, yeah. And it kind of makes me weirdly happy because it's so unambiguous. Yeah. You know, you love them unconditionally and yeah. you will disappoint them. There's right. like no. But why do you got to think of that second part now? Because it happens every day. On some <laughs> level, they're like, I hate you. You know. And you're like, How old oh, is she? She's three. Already she hates you? Well, temporarily. All right. You know, just yeah. tempor- she's my kid. I yeah. mean, come on. Right. You know, she's got the jeans. <laughs> yeah. She's wear- walking around wearing black. <laughs> <laughs> Only because she doesn't want people to see her drip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not you've, a fashion. You've given thing. her the gift of self awareness and, and insecurity. That is the worst. You know, seeing like the fashionista babies, you oh, just yeah. want to fucking throw up. Yeah. I mean, I don't love other parents. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But you know, I do have to go back to the to to like the daycare where like when my first child was little, I kind of like did a little too much heroin and passed out in the bathroom when they found me. Uh-huh. And in I, the have, daycare. I, have, I have to walk by that little bathroom every uh-huh. day. And uh-huh. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Oh, it's the same daycare? It's the same place. Stop so it. I've like fully boomeranged. Uh, yeah. Oh, so you're back in daycare. Yeah. The, they're like back. Oh, this guy's still alive yeah. as a kid? You made it. Fuck. And uh, how's your uh, older kid take to the new kid? You know, she's really taken to her. Now. But I mean, yeah. initially, of course. I mean, yeah. who wouldn't be like, what? nice. You're showing yeah. up for her? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And- but she's she's a very cool kid. I mean, in spite of having me as a father, she's a happy, well-adjusted, and I think the good thing, kid, and very beautiful. Your your first daughter. Yeah. But I also think that like uh, it seems to me that you you made the right genetic decision with the with the current uh, wife. Oh yeah, yeah. This one, there were, there were probably a couple. Wouldn't have been a good idea. <laughs> I mean, uh, we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> this one, no names, please. Right. We, I mean, we all we know each other. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, sure. Uh, history. Sure. Yeah. This one looks like she comes from good stock. She, uh, Finnish, yeah. Irish, you know. Yeah. Oh, good. That should erase the junkie Jew right out of this kid. Oh, my God. This kid, <laughs> forget it. Yeah. It's got a shot. She's yeah. got a shot. Yeah. She'll spend a lot of time in saunas, but that's it. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, I think she has a shot. And um, But you never know. I mean, the world is so grotesque now that, <sighs> you know, roads are melting in India, and every kid in America is getting blastoma from their parents leaving, you know, the cell phone near the head of the bed. So I'm like, is that f- true? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't like I'm it's not so horrible. I'm not up to speed on my my topics of worry. You know, well, there's something about being selfish and detached from the current uh, events sure, in the yeah. news where it's sort of like, oh, geez, there's a lot of things I should be feeling shitty about. Nah, I mean, the thing about us, we're going to be well out of it. Yeah. But, you know, I just picture her like grubbing for cancer scraps, you know, when there's no water in oh, 2030. It's going to be fucking horrible. Is that when it's supposed to run out of water? Oh, we'll run out of water before then. But the cancer scraps kick in. And, oh, and earlier. Yeah. Oh, right. Jesus Christ. Yeah. What is it? Oh, let's not talk about that. So let's talk well, about uh, the beauty uh, of the kid. What's her name? Nico. What now? The process of writing this book. This was a series of essays you this were is writing. A series of uh, columns. 
AKA that, blogs, as the kids say, in uh, the rumpus uh-huh. and uh, with a bunch of new ones. And it started, uh, it started when the kid started, was born or no, when she before, was pregnant? in utero. For, like we were in Texas. We had to go to have the baby in Texas because, as you know, I got on this medication, which as soon as I got on it, this experimental drug at Cedars, yeah. the first thing they said was, oh, and by the way, yeah. if a pregnant woman so much as like gets a drop of your sweat on her epidermis, the yeah. kid will be born with like, you know, yeah. flippers and a three-day beard. Yeah. So, you know, mom had to go to Texas to be away from me. Oh. And so I, when I was cured, you know, I, I, right. I finally go there and we do like the OBGYN stuff in Texas. And uh-huh. they had like never seen a Jew. They're like, <laughs> we're on. in the waiting room. They're like, um, Mr. Stale, do you have the Jew panel? Because <laughs> there's diseases only Jew. Yeah. You know, it's like Tay-Sachs and it's uh, like right. creepy Jew diseases. Right. Yeah. They're horrible. Yeah. And you know, everybody turns around. I'm like, they're going to fucking, you Yeah. Know. You didn't have Tay-Sachs, did you? The Tay-Sachs gene? I think I would be dead. Yeah. I don't think you live too long. I don't know how, I think that's from uh, incestuous, the Orthodox get it, right? Uh, no, uh, man. I I'm think, sorry. I think maybe they do. I'm sorry. I, 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 like, don't I apologize. Pre- I have no, you know, you can offend Orthodox all day long. I, I try not I, to. I, I hide you know? my pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wear them on the inside, inside, if you know what I'm saying. Your hair's curling on the inside. <laughs> Everything's curling on the inside. Um, so, okay. So it started in, te- well, you know, it's weird is I, I when I when I've told Siri to uh, to find to to call you, uh, they she does the full pronunciation in German. She goes calling Jerry Stahl. Nice Siri yeah. does that. Siri does that. Stahl. Stahl. Stahlwerks. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, in German it means steel. Does it? As yes. in S T E E L. In America, yes, that uh, would be S T E L. Not S T E A L. Uh, nice pun, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I didn't. I was working my way up to stealing. I was more of a like just shove it under my shirt and run. So this, uh, so this is this is uh, the big release for Father's Day. Uh, huge release. Yeah, yeah. it's it's gonna come be- on, OG Dad. It's like this is. I I think um, like I think eventually, you know, I don't know if it's in this particular book, but but there will come a time where where you will shed all of the darkness, absolutely, and just become uh, pure light. You don't, and, you don't think I'm there yet? No, I, I don't. I per, I don't know what it would be like to hang around with you like that. I don't know. It, it, generally, people who 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 claim to be that are intolerable. But I feel. I mean, I have to say, I feel the same way about you. I mean, you've become a much lighter guy. I I've definitely known you have. for a long time. Yeah, we were not. We were not a bunch of like fun dudes. I mean, we were great for each other. Yeah, we could one down each other all yeah. fucking night long. Yeah. You know? but, no, right. I I think when we both met, we we're like uh, I was definitely aggravated and angry and uh and and not well in my mind and you were sweaty and <laughs> sick <laughs> and perfectly well in my mind yeah yeah but i, I actually learned uh like there was some there's a way that you kind of kind of when you are listening or something like i took some trick from you when i interview actually there's I remember a, talking about this yeah did i talk to you about on on on, on the mics no not at all no no, there I'm was trying just, to remember what it was. Well, there's just a way that you kind of like almost uh, you have a, a a boundary or something when you listen. You just sort of have this gaze that's mm-hmm. sort of flat. It's a kind of detachment, but paying right. attention at the right, same right. time. Right, right. There's a detachment to it, but you're engaged. Mm-hmm. And I and I noticed that you did it, and like I I I learned how to do it during interviews. I think it's very. It's like you're receiving, but you're not. You can't be read as judgment, mm-hmm. and it can't be read as. Uh, as like you know, uh, it's it's passive, in a way, but engaged. Well, I'll tell you where that started. You know, I did journalism for most of my like the twenties and thirties. It was pre-internet, so yeah. now it only exists in my storage bin. Right. But um, I was so fucked up 
that I couldn't really, you know, keep a, you know, I just would stare at people with yeah. like, I'd kind of do the forehead, you know, the, right. the concerned puppy wrinkles, right. the, forehead, the concern wrinkles, yeah. and just kind of nod once and people <laughs> take that as vast concentration on the fascinating things. But you were just trying saying. not to nod off? I was just trying like not to go away. <laughs> Visibly. <laughs> <laughs> That's where that came from? Well, then ultimately, yeah. I don't know if you've learned this interviewing, but everybody has a story. Mm. And when they get to the end of their tape, whatever that thing is, yeah. if you just shut the fuck up, there'll be like an awkward, horrific pause. And then they get to the real shit. Right. Have you found that? Like everybody Usually has their... it's right when I turn the uh, mics off. <laughs> <laughs> that's when it happens for me yeah like, that's, that's when for, shit gets real yeah an hour and 15 minutes i'll turn the mic off and it's like yeah my dad shot somebody i'm like well, can i just <laughs> did you not want to say that on there yeah I, I i know that about i've seen that happen yeah yeah and sometimes i'll i'll, I'll ask if we can get it back on do you ever yeah. do that do you ever say could you just like repeat what you just said and then you hit the mic again well i i will start talking about something like after i turn the mics off and then uh, i'll be like did you not do you, i think we should talk about this on the air do you want and if they go yeah yeah and i'll just turn it back on and and figure out a way to reset it you know I, I i don't generally let them go through the whole story i'm like this seems like something we should be talking and then yeah yeah i've done that i've done that yeah i've turned it back on and then sometimes people are like no i don't want to talk about that I, it's, it's like great know. that's the most interesting thing about you exactly that, i hate that more that than is anything. the worst there's so many you know there's so many people who do that yeah just sort it's of like, like are, are the mic are, are we well yeah but are we off the record now let me tell you what the yeah. truth yeah and you're like what the fuck did you just do for an hour and a half? exactly what, what, this i gotta like, write this thing and now, i gotta know and you've it. been bullshitting me for an hour and a half right asshole. and i gotta know in my heart and my mind that we were skirting around this which it, this it, is what we were dodging it's just kind of insulting to you as an interviewer on some level yeah and but also, what are you gonna like, do about that nothing i mean it's it doesn't you're usually give them the gaze of acceptance right and it doesn't usually mean that what you have is a lie no but it's avoiding it's also less interesting than the truth that's right but people also know it when they hear it they oh, know yeah. when, oh absolutely when people are dodging or or yeah, and yeah. you know but i can't do that you know setting the person up like after we were done with this interview she told me the truth about what happened and yeah. uh, this is sort of i guess a great uh, example of someone dodging the truth because that enjoy because <laughs> she told me about the thing with her dad right and yeah but but not see i if can't you, tell you you see if you can feel the heat of it yeah when she's talking about ice cream in the middle listen you know? in between the words exactly yeah well people do I think that's the nature of uh, of the of the the medium. Yeah, but I mean, like you and Terry Gross. I mean, you got some amazing shit out of her. You have such a great gift for that. Well, it's funny because like, but I also knew like when she wasn't like, it's like we're like I knew when she was not going to go somewhere. You know, because but, but and you and you you were very gracious, but yeah. You also didn't let her slide. No, I didn't. I couldn't. The it first just, husband? Come the fuck on. Uh, Who knew? Yeah, yeah. That guy. She was concerned. She's like, I hope he didn't. And it's like, don't, he didn't throw him under the bus. Not at all. She didn't she, throw anybody under the no, bus. No, she didn't. But I, I don't know if you have that. I have this thing where, where I've done interviews over the years with like, I'm sort of already the leper because I'm like the junkie weirdo guy who has confessed every heinous thing. Right. So people talk to you because I'm like outside the herd. Right. You know what I mean? No, so no, people, yeah. and, and you are very honest about your emotional... I get that Trauma. too, but not because so of the same. Yeah. Well, I I know that like I don't know what it is because it's not quite the same. Because people also know that I I do have a public forum sure. that yeah. I talk out loud for a living, right? As opposed to a guy who just retreats into a corner. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. The, the dark holder of secrets. <laughs> Jerry Stahl. Hey, yeah. Just a business card. Dark holder of secrets. AKA the vault. Yeah. The vault. <laughs> uh, no, but do I think that people. Because I'm, I'm, 
upfront about my own personal struggle, I think that that enables people to think. Oh yeah, because nobody else is doing that really. Right, right. But 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 that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? To be like the guy that that is sought out to be the confessor, and it, then you're sort of limited to the box. It's like well, it, it is. On one level, it's pressure. You could also say, if you want to be an enlightened asshole, that it's a privilege. Yeah. But, I mean, I do know a lot of shit about a lot of people that I will take to the grave. Cause right. Because what else are you going to do? Well, that's but that's what I always wonder about that, and the same with what I do, is that I don't socialize a lot. I mean, I, you and I have a good time. We hang out. We'll get something to eat. We'll have some laughs. Yeah, you're but, kind of my best friend. Right. I don't, how often do we even see each other? Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, when you're these guys, when you're the guy that yes. talks about himself all the time, or the, you're the holder yeah. of secrets, or like, yes. I'm not going to invite him. Because... <laughs> <laughs> he's just gonna be standing there knowing all that shit about yeah. me and i don't want to be reminded it of makes it makes me really uncomfortable exactly. quite honestly right. I, I actually don't like him yeah i like i, I kind of resent what he knows now about because there is that there's yeah. that thing where people like kind of turn on you because they know you know or you they, assume know you they know. do they they do That's know you true. know good point i could be projecting which is yeah i mean good. usually we are but there, there is a there is evidence that like i'm not i'm not nec- i'm not invited that often do you know, like, I don't hang out with a lot See, of See, in your case, I would argue that that's because people think you're famous, you're successful. He's probably busy. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, like, yesterday, I'm, I'm at home, uh, you know, just looking in my refrigerator nine times, ten times. Sure. Uh, snacking a lot. And then, like, I, I finally got to a level of anxiety where I had no choice but to polish my boots. Nice. Yeah, polish the boots, did three or four loads of laundry. One of them wasn't even necessary. We should have just done the interview while, while that was happening. Oh. That would have been great. But then I think, like, why don't I go out and why don't I give so-and-so a call? And then it gets hard to fill in that blank. Why don't I give a call? I don't know. Who am I going to call? You know, I where I could just sit here. I mean, I call you and we talk, but, you know, you're busy. But I'm just saying, like, what am I going to do? Yeah, I'm so, busy doing my laundry. Right. Yeah. So then I drive around and, uh, you know, I go shopping and uh, I'll go say hi to you know, somebody at this. I go to the record store to say hi to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no different. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I know all the checkers at Gelson's a little too well. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I've always, you know, that, that but I, I'm better with strangers, you know. Absolutely. All right. So we're just loners by virtue of our, our gifts. And, and that, that's it. And nothing makes for a better dad than like a creepy loner. You know? Yeah, but you're home at least. At least I am home. I'm home now. Is the kid yeah. talking? Sure. Really? Blue streak. Yeah. Like, what's she saying? She's lying a lot. <laughs> that three? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like, is this the junkie gene kicking in? It's like, <laughs> yeah, uh, mommy said I could like take the chocolate and just pretty much eat it all. Really? Uh, Already? Like, really? Uh, that, I don't think that happened. She's, I, that, but that's what she knows what oh she wants. Oh my God, the deceit. Really? Holy shit. Do you, I don't, do I mean, you laugh? Is it funny to you? I, I engage. I you say, really? When did, when did she say that? <laughs> really? And, um, okay, well, and the go, kid, go ahead, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> good, good parenting. Yeah. Hey, mommy said, if you're telling me the truth. You know what? If you're lying, it's a good lie. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. got me. You but convinced it's, me. It's really fascinating, man. The level of dishonesty and manipulation. It's to get what Fantastic. they want. To get what they want. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, when they're a little young, she was a little younger. She just turned three last week. It was tears. Mm-hmm. It'd be like traumatic public, yeah, like, public screaming. Right, right. And and can I just say that screaming in public? That'll get when you look like me and you yeah. have a little kid. It's yeah. like they're not going to take my side. Yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> did you do to her? Yeah. You beast. Oh, we're just calling. You know, Amber yeah. Alert. Yeah. Um, but now it's all about fucking lies and manipulation. It's beautiful. Ah, oh. she's really good at it. Well, it's sort of interesting that that's the that's the instinct that like you have to teach. That's something you have to teach them not to do. 
Yes, is, of is course. get their needs met by any means necessary. I mean, I shouldn't be rewarding her, <laughs> <laughs> giving her the chocolate. Well, it's, yeah. it's there's so many. I mean, like I haven't read a lot of books about yeah. parenting. Why, why it, should you? It, it creeps Swing me it, wing it, wing go it. with your instincts. But I mean, you never read the, how, how fucking boring it is sometimes. Yeah. Or the truly disturbing thing, and you know, this could get us. But it, this is a reality of life. Yeah. Both my daughters came out of the room. Yeah. And the womb, yeah. basically. Let's just say touching themselves. Yeah. Let's just leave it at that. Right. And you know, you don't you don't see that yeah. on the uh, chicken soup for the baby books. No, you know? the, the the sort of weird compulsive masturbatory habits of of, of, of to- toddlers. Yeah, I've heard that. I mean, I think sure. yeah, boys do it too. I know I had a cousin that was you know very attached to the banister when she figured out how to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. To, I have to manage I, that. I've got like the Ethel Merman no, laugh. That's good. Today, no, you know, I don't know good. why. Um, yeah, I mean, but you know, rubbing up against things. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's look. It's, why wouldn't you? I mean, I you know, I until I, somebody I, tells you to stop. What the hell? Like, I, at what age is the cutoff where you can't just reach in your pants? I remember when we I'm first doing put it her, now. No I one know. ever told me that. I, I try not to do in public. Sure. I'm not doing it now when I'm talking well, to you. Well, I see but. the table stops right about chest level. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So but, that's, what, that's my key to doing a good interview. I, like, I just got my hand in my dick all the time. He got really excited for a minute, and then he just kind of petered. <laughs> yeah. But I know when we first put her in diapers, she was like, "What? I'm like tapping it. Like, what the hell? Who right. shut the door? Oh, you know? that's hilarious. Like, yeah, why is there an like, obstacle what's here? Going, like, why would you do that to me? It's my one pleasure. Oh, that's hilarious. So she's a lying chronic masturbator at three. The masturbating is low. Uh, that's gone. Oh, it is? Yeah, but not as much. I mean, I oh, think yeah. she likes to hold her for security. Right. As sure. who doesn't? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's not... I think when you're a baby, it's like, what, what else? You have no other... Nothing else. Shitting and touching yourself. No, you're going to have to figure that stuff out. So yeah. now, would you say that this this book, uh, uh, OG Dad, is, is an effective baby's book? So would this be helpful to parents? Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, you know, much to my surprise, and yeah. I didn't know the publisher was going to do this. If you turn the book over, uh-huh. it, it lists it as parenting. Does it really? And I kind of had a shit fit about that, but then I thought, you know what? <laughs> it is. Oh, I know. Parenting. <laughs> I thought memoir, humor, I think essays. This, no, dude, I think this might be the right place for it. <laughs> yeah. Because even if I they, am the guy. If they pick it up for the wrong reason, that would be surprising. Yeah. Why is he always talking about heroin? <laughs> I don't understand. It's a very, very specific parenting experience. Uh, and yet, universal. You know, it's also, you know, it's just, this was, a, it's weird shit happens when you don't die young. I mean, I didn't expect to be rolling back into dadhood, but what the hell? But I, look, da- I, I, look, dad. You just, call me, you just call me dad? Almost. Wow. But, uh, but Knowing your dad, that's quite an ambiguous honor. Uh, no, but I, 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 I tell you. And I tell you honestly, I, I've never seen you uh, happier and, and more clear in the eyes. Skin looks good. Thank you. You seem uh, relaxed. You, you spent a whole season writing for my show. You were in a room with other people every day. I know. And we had a good time. My first staff gig ever. And you like, and you were nervous about that originally. You're like, no, well, I no, think no. not as nervous as you. I mean, <laughs> come on, be honest, motherfucker. <laughs> well, no, I was like, sort of like, no, I think he, I think he's doing. I, I think, think, I think he's okay. He's better with other people now. I, I swear to God, he's not the same guy. <laughs> from a year ago he's not he's, only a year ago it's so true i've lost i mean i look at my life and just the parade of embarrassing gigs and weird shit that because happened. Of your own discomfort though no doubt 
Yeah. yeah, projecting it and suffering and yeah, flicking. we had a good time. Everybody respected you, and you did a great job, and we had fun. Well, you got a smart bunch of guys in there. I mean, come on, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun when like no one has anything to contribute, and we're just waiting for something to break. And there's just like seven guys in a room tweeting. Yeah, tweeting, looking at their mail, and, and then finally I go, well, "What? What are we doing? What the fuck? What the fuck is happening? Every fucking week it's like this." And I what stand a up and I start, "What are we gonna do with this beat right here?" And I hate this gum yeah yeah <laughs> shit that's writing that's staff writing i was really blown away by the fact that i had spent my entire life avoiding people i think i became a novelist not because i have any fucking talent yeah what else can you do like yeah. naked and alone at three in the morning yeah you know yeah um so being in with you guys was like wow yeah this is actually kind of great and here you are i guess to bring it full circle is sure. that you're uh you're 60 Mm -hmm. and you there's a new lease on life you have a, a new infant child and you uh you know begrudgingly are feeling better about things and this book is uh is the uh the result of that and a functioning liver which makes it all possible does it now do you regenerate that does like now now it's a, no it, it just my virus was wiped out no i get that but does your are you do, do liver cells regenerate like is your liver growing now does that happen with a liver? I can hardly sit down. It's so big. Uh, <laughs> or whatever. Does it Does it get, like, whatever damage was done, does that regenerate, I guess is what I'm asking. I think I still, it's probably still got the consistency of an old shoe, maybe a little scarred. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? It's, it's working. I'm not, I'm not spending all my energy fighting off death. For, right. Like, you have you know. color, man. You have Thank color you. in it's, your I face. I really appreciate that, man. It's yeah. fucking great. And I'm happy about the book, and I'm happy... Uh, for 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 everything that's going on, man. Well, I'm happy we're still here, kind of being friends. I mean, let's we're better I, friends can, now can than we ever have been. We have some good laughs, buddy. We do, yeah. All right, Jerry. Thanks, man. Thank you, man. Jerry, the book is OG Dad. But you should look into all. You should read. Uh, you should read a lot of Jerry's books. Jerry is a uh, a, a a powerful proseman. A, a prose master the guy puts a lot into it man a lot of punch in the prose let his punchy prose punch you in the head right in the brain so now Haley Joel Osment who's in the uh, the Entourage movie which comes out uh, on June 3rd I hear he's very good in it I've heard that but you know Haley from uh, The Sixth Sense, I, I'm slowly stroking out. I'm slowly incapacitated mouth-wise. But he was also uh, in Forrest Gump. And uh, Pay It Forward was a big one. AI, artificial intelligence, a big Haley, Joel Osment movie. movie. Oh my God. Oh my fucking God. He was a kid actor. You always wonder how those kid actors turn out. Well, this kid is very level-headed. Nice guy. Let's talk to Haley Joel Osment. I'm only saying it like that because I have problems with L's. Haley Joel Osment. Now. How are you, man? Good, man. How you doing? So you're doing the one ear thing. 
Yeah, I don't know why I've always done that. That's a professional trick. Is it? Where'd, the, where'd you first see the one-ear uh, cans m move? It just came naturally to me. I've, I've recorded these uh, this video game series uh, since I was like 10 or 11. And yeah. I always just like to hear myself a little in, in the room. Yeah. Um, so that was just a that was just a natural adaptation. Yeah, it just fell right. You were so, like, uh, yeah, yeah, I can do this and yeah. here. <laughs> so the last time I saw you was on a rooftop in Hollywood. That's right. What yeah. was that for again? What that was, was a pre Emmy party, and I was there, I believe, for the Spoils of Babylon. And actually, Billy Bob was there too. We just yeah. finished Entourage. Did you know yeah. you were doing Entourage when you saw him at that thing? We were right in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. you were. Yeah. So, so. you you were. You, he's uh, an odd fella. You know, I didn't know what to expect going to work with him, and he's just the funniest, coolest guy, and like, and also a great musician. Yeah. And uh, one thing that he's was, got a rock band. He does. Yeah. I got to get him in here. Yeah. I think he gave me his phone number, if I remember correctly. Yeah. He would. He would be a fascinating interview. He's had such a cool career. Yeah. He's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's just a guy. He's sort of in his own time zone. That guy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You get around yeah. him, and you're like, well, this, this is another planet here. It's really? uh, it was nice because like I play his son in the movie and like he has such a distinctive voice like that's I like had to have this like kind of uh, thick accent for the movie and like what starting accent? was his we're Texans in the movie we're you know got Glock on the hip and uh -huh. you know horses and cowboy boots and everything uh -huh. and he's from Arkansas originally and uh, that was a fun voice to come. Well, you from. grew up in this. Your front your family's from the South. Are you Southern? I was born out here, uh, but my parents moved out. They were both born in Birmingham, Alabama, and they moved out here in 1985. That's real South. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do they talk like uh, Southerners? I can hear it a little bit with my mom, but since they, it's been now exactly thirty years since they moved out here. My dad, I can't really hear it at all anymore. But it's a, you know, from family and everything, it's a very familiar accent. Although Alabama is an even you know thicker accent in a way than Texas. Yeah, <laughs> there's some uh, pretty. I how did so Hallie Joel Osment. Yeah. That's the real name? Yeah, that is. And then, do you, that sounds like some Southern history to that name. I guess maybe. It's, uh, um, you know, we're Irish Catholic from the South, so a lot of like saints' names, and a lot of Michaels and Patricks and everything. And my parents pulled um, both my sister and my names out of just a book, just wanted to put something fun together. So, yeah. Just a book? Yeah. What's your sister's <laughs> name? Uh, Emily Jordan. Osmond. Well, she got, seems yeah. like she got an easier go of it. I guess. You know, Jordan's kind of unusual. <laughs> yeah, it is. Emily, uh, Hallie's yeah. uh, odd. I have never met another guy with that as his first name. Uh -huh. uh, you know, a lot of girls, uh -huh. but but uh, very few people who actually have it spelled the same name too. Uh, Haley Deckel from the Dirty Projectors was, was spelled Haley. the same. Is that yeah. is that what you say? Yeah, Haley, I keep yeah. saying Hallie. Yeah, that's fine too. No, it's not. They didn't know how to. Uh, nobody knows how Edmund Halley's name was actually pronounced. So. Is it Haley? Haley, yeah. So Haley's yeah. the way to go. Haley's the way to go. But you yeah. don't correct people. Nah, you know. <laughs> it's so I I have to correct people when they spell my name wrong. So did you have family down there? I mean, did you travel to the South? Much? Oh yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah. And when I was a kid, we were out there at least every summer. In Birmingham. In Birmingham, yeah. It's like the more I go back to the South, the more I fucking love it. Yeah. And and Birmingham particularly is a city that's having uh, you know, a lot of stuff going on in the in the downtown area, a lot of a lot of good food things going yeah. on there. Well, there so, are every yeah. little city now is like reinventing itself yeah. with restaurants. This whole the food network has changed the entire culture <laughs> of America. Every fucking city of any size has their chef guy. Exactly. Yeah. Has 
yeah. their good restaurant, their quote unquote good restaurant. Yeah. Artisanal. Like, yeah. yeah. I was in Asheville shooting a movie a year and a half ago and they were like, this is our local, lo- locally produced wine. And I was like, in, from, yeah. from the mountains of North Carolina. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I was just there. <laughs> yeah. Asheville's a cool town. It is. I didn't, you know, I was only there for like, uh, you know, a day and I didn't really get around. Yeah. But it seems to be just this weird little kind of old style hippie art town. It is. That actually has a, a longer history back than the hippies. Uh, but they, it just seems to be a kind of progressive little haven in yeah. the middle of a, what is a, I, I assume a pretty red state. Yeah. A, a De Niro's father actually painted at a, a commune or not a commune, but some, he lived and painted near Asheville. Really? Uh, yeah. For many years, I believe. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Those Blue Ridge Mountains are pretty, man. Oh, yeah. I never drove Beautiful. through there before. That yeah. was gorgeous. Yeah. That, that, that whole region, we were shooting a movie that had a lot to do with like Civil War history in Appalachia. What movie was everything. that? A film called uh, The World Made Straight, which came out a couple of years ago, uh, a couple months ago and how'd that do where'd that go what happened to that movie we uh i believe we were well reviewed but it was just a small release we had a uh, jeremy irvine in it he's great and uh, noel wiley and minka kelly and uh steve earl which was really neat to, to have him. i know steve earl yeah yeah, yeah he's he's great he's, a he's all right yeah he's a he's he's made some good records that guy oh yeah definitely was that the last movie you made uh, no, we actually shot that a while ago. I oh. just finished a movie in the fall called Sleepwalker, and uh, that's that has Richard Armitage and Anna O'Reilly, and that'll be coming out later in the summer. What is that about? Uh, I play a uh, kind of a nasty stalker type character who's sort of uh, after this girl, um, the, the lead. What, what is this new uh, uh, Haley Joe, Joel Osment uh, heavies? I what, know what, man. what's happening. Yeah. It's it's fun. I think growing the beard helped. I don't know what I originally did that for. I think it was for the first season of Spoils of Babylon. And I think the last time I saw you, I probably had like a pretty long, yeah, you have a pretty big beard. Yeah, you yeah. Had beard going. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh But you were like yeah. uh you were like the wonder kid. Yeah. You're the <laughs> the the, uh, the gifted one. Yeah. And now you're like uh you're playing heavies. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun not being the the you know moral center of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be the moral yeah. left of center. Center yeah, exactly. of the movie. Yeah, somewhere around there. Well, I mean, well, what, well, how did that that happen? I mean, so you were born in L.A. Was your was your folks in show business? My dad moved to L.A. to work at a theater uh, uh, called Theater Three on uh, Santa Monica Boulevard, mm-hmm. and he ended up being the general manager of that theater uh, in the late eighties. Yeah, yeah. But my um, involvement in it was just sort of by accident. I was my mom was shopping at IKEA in Burbank one day. And they had um, one of those things where they had two casting assistants taking Polaroids of every kid that walked in. Really? And yeah, and my. Uh, what, they, you say that like that's a regular thing. That's it, well, regular. it used to be. Um, they don't. I don't. I don't think they do commercials like that anymore. And I remember going to these cattle call auditions as a kid, where you have like a thousand people there. So know. they were just scouting, or they were literally looking like, for kids for commercials for IKEA. Yeah. No, it was for uh, for Pizza Hut, but they were they were uh, next to the like kids area of IKEA. You know, so like they were that. just like weird predatory. Like they were predatory casting agents no they were it was nice like young assistants you know the i remember it was like nice but they were scouting at ikea they yeah were well and, and and next to like the ball pit you right. know where kids congregate yeah okay so, so i think they, that's why they sent two women instead of two guys to go yeah, to. So it's not fucking creepy <laughs> yeah sure you're a casting agent yeah oh my god yeah <laughs> so uh all right so you're just minding your business and they come out of nowhere and go that's the kid I guess so. It would two uh, very immediate strokes of luck was was that one um, where I was part of this um, 
uh, Bigfoot Pizza thing for for what was ultimately a terrible pizza promotion. They had the Bigfoot Pizza, which yeah. is this terrible thin crust pizza. But uh, the casting agent for Forrest you were Gump unhappy saw with it. your first role. I remember. As yeah, a, I was. As well, a at least the product. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> disappointed with the, yeah. what you got behind. But then it led to the casting agent for Forrest Gump seeing it, and I came in and read with them, and then read with Hanks, and then that was my first project. Was so the Gump. casting agent for Forrest Gump sees your shitty pizza commercial. Mm-hmm. Does he take you to task for the pizza? Does he no. say that was not good pizza? She, she did not. She did not. Take she was that like, up with "That me. kid's got something." And yeah. <laughs> so you how old? Uh, four. Four. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so you read with Tom Hanks at four. Yeah. Do you have any recollection of that? A very, very clear memory. Really? Of that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you would sort of have to. Well, it's in a and way. with that whole experience. Like one, the the one of the clearest memories of. Uh, of that shoot was I learned to tie my shoes on the steps outside our Holiday Inn hotel room in Beaufort, South Carolina, where we were shooting the Gump House stuff. Oh, you know, you, you yeah, had, that was the who taught you? Yeah, uh, my dad. My dad. Oh, was he was there on yeah. set with yeah, you the whole time. I think I'm giving credit to the right parent. But my, both my mom and dad came. Uh, well, I, I, that, well, if so. that upsets them, yeah. then you have bigger problems. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you say that your father <laughs> just made up a voice for your mom? <laughs> Can't be right. Yeah. Can't be right. All right, so so oh that shoots where so that was in South Carolina. They shot all over the country, but my stuff was right. in Savannah and uh, Beaufort, South Carolina, at the yeah. big house. At the big house, yeah. With that, who was the woman that played your mom? Uh, uh, Robin Wright. Oh yeah, 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 which is crazy. So all right, so you remember learning how to tie your shoes and reading with Tom Hanks, but was do you have memories of the set do you have memories of doing that work absolutely the first day i was there um it it rained a lot while we were down there and i believe yeah. it was the production got delayed a lot and it right. rained so much that we opened the door to the trailer after like three hours of downpour and the area where they had base camp had flooded to like knee level on an adult so the the, the pas were in waders carrying me above this swamp water to get to the set <laughs> And yeah. and one of the first things we shot was the was the final scene on the bench where he opens a book and the feather goes off and everything and and Zemeckis and Hanks rewrote the scene a, a little bit on the last day yeah. minutes before we shot it right. and Hanks got this yellow legal pad and wrote out the new dialogue and my lines on it we actually saved it and I still I still have this little thing you know Hanks uh, handwritten sides for me so that was it and so you, he yeah. was a nice guy to you absolutely yeah. Do yeah. you guys uh, ever talk? I saw him uh, a couple years ago. I, it was a while ago now, but I, I went and uh, and spoke at his AFI Lifetime Achievement thing. But yeah, he's, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, he's, a, he's a great I guy. I always assume that everybody keeps in touch, and it's a ridiculous assumption. Yeah. <laughs> so what? So you, that's a pretty big movie to do out of the gate. Yeah. And then, then what happens? You do like a bunch of kids' movies? No, I actually did a network television after that. Um, I was on a show with Ed Asner called uh, Thunder Alley. Oh, that's, uh, Ed Asner. Funny. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. He's a funny, cranky man. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was terrific. So you did like, oh, you did a shitload of those. Yeah, did that, and then Foxworthy's show, and then finally um, uh, Murphy Brown, the last season of Murphy Brown. So I did like those three series kind of in a row. But Thunder Alley and Foxworthy's show, you did a lot of eps. Uh, yeah, episodes. two seasons each, I believe. And did yeah. they not last longer than that? Basically, I the... think both. I think both were canceled after two seasons. <laughs> that was yeah. it for that. Yeah, <laughs> but you did a lot of little roles, so you were just a working kid actor. Yeah, before uh, you became like the 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 boy wizard in that one movie, <laughs> <laughs> almost. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, so. So now, when you're doing that, how were? Because I, I've only talked to a couple of you guys. 
you freaks yeah. you freaks of nature <laughs> you children actor people yeah <laughs> uh, i talked to uh seth green and you talked to, to amber tamlin i believe right right yeah right but yeah. you are the most prolific of the uh the youngsters <laughs> Uh, who 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 did that as a as a child? And you were, I think, you know, a great actor. I think you still Thanks, are. Thank I you. don't think you lose that. Did you were you did you train at all, or did you just have this natural weird gift? Well, my uh, my dad um, studied theater in college, uh, and he had a great uh, um, theater professor there named uh, Doctor Oliver Link, who studied at Cornell. Where did your dad go to college? Uh, what was then West Georgia College, and now is I believe West Georgia, Georgia University. Yeah, became a university, but yeah, they just did did you know. Godot, Runner Stumble, sure. you know, Three Penny Opera, everything. Yeah. And so he had this this great foundation in theater uh, uh, theater studies and um, theater acting. And so even from a young age, it was going through the script and, and, you know, character study and rehearsal and stuff like that. So it was a really good sort of foundation. You did having, that with your dad? Yeah, you know. And as, as, a, as a younger kid, it wasn't quite so much going through and finding the beats and everything. But right. as, as I got older, and certainly by the time of The Sixth Sense, it was... Uh, you know, we would be, you know, going through the script, you know, taking notes and all that stuff. So he was stuff. your coach. And yeah, yeah. And uh, it was it was a really cool, uh, you know, creative experience to do that. So yeah. you would make, he would help you make choices? Absolutely, yeah. I think I think probably the best encapsulation of that would be when I was, uh, we first got the script for The Sixth Sense, you know, and it's a scary movie and all this stuff. And we were talking about it and he's like, you know, this movie isn't so much about you know being a horror movie as much as it is it's the people trying to communicate with each other and how frightening it is when you can't get across to somebody else right it's like oh yeah that's you know yeah. thinking about it in that sense made it a little bit deeper than things popping out and scaring you right yeah, yeah. And, and he was always sort of there to do that like we're yeah. like crack the character with you yeah up, up through high school yeah and, and because they're you know number one there's really strict laws about your parents always have to be on set with you and everything right. and I was very lucky to have someone who actually had studied acting and you know could be you know and helpful do, you, in that do way. you feel like he was uh, living his dream through you a bit no, I think he, you know, he, he certainly was happy to, you know, have this happen for his kids. And he had, you know, he has his, his own career. He ran that theater in... Uh, um, yeah, but he's not yeah. a movie star. I mean, that's there's there's pluses and minuses with being in movies, you know? Yeah. Because I, you know, I went and studied theater in, in college, you know, and uh, was doing, a, you know, a play in Philadelphia as recently as, as 2011 when, you know, my, my wonderful management and agent were like, can you please come back to Los Angeles and audition out here and do that stuff? Well, let's, I mean, let's talk. <laughs> about that so i mean yeah. so you did your father was he always supportive or did he warn you of the the possible pitfalls of of hanging your hope in life on show business well that was that was definitely the the thing from the beginning is that especially when i was a little kid yeah. was if you don't like doing this you can quit tomorrow and even with those credits and everything one thing that that's uh that's funny to remember now is that those movies you do like six to eight weeks and then I was in regular school the whole right, time. Right, then you had a life. So my yeah. primary memories of this is regular, you know, elementary school, regular elementary yeah. school and regular high school and all of that. But yeah, both my parents, I think, um, especially when The Sixth Sense sort of changed everything, were concerned about, you know, me being able to have privacy, being able to, you know, maintain that kind of, you know, keeping my feet on the ground and going to college that always being the end goal was something that I think really solidified that. So you, 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 through all this, you were in your mind saving for college in a way. That was the first thing I ever spent any money on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. But you, so, you, you put a lot of money away. Yeah, well, that's the law here. That it's the Coogan law. So your money all goes into a trust fund until you turn eighteen. The Coogan law. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, Jackie Coogan. Jackie Coogan. Yeah. 
Oh, so your parents can't touch it? Nobody so can touch it. So that's to protect yeah. you it is, yeah. from your parents, <laughs> basically. If necessary, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's too much. And what did your, what did your mom do? She is, uh, was and still is a sixth grade teacher. Here in town? Here in town, yeah. Yeah, in, uh, in Montrose. I think that's yeah. a, oh, that's not too far from here, right? No, not too far. Um, like Twenty minutes away. That's about the last year that uh, it's probably a fun thing to do uh, to be a teacher. It gets more and more challenging every year, just yeah. because now with with smartphones and stuff, there's a lot more holding attention. Kids, get, well, you know, if you know, that's really. I think she is described as like it's kind of the last age where you can really, you know, connect yeah. with the kids before things get kind of solidified in middle school and, and high school. And yeah, it's it's a it's a really really tough job. Yeah. And they you know there's you know they don't always have class size regulations and things like that. So she can have a, you know up to forty forty two kids in the class at one time, oh my which God. is which is chaos at that age. That's crazy. But yeah. she still chooses to do it. She loves it. Yeah. She taught in Alabama. She taught kindergarten and first grade briefly at one point, but sixth grade is usually the the age she goes for. All right. So the big movies were for you were the um, were the Sixth Sense. Pay it forward in AI. Yeah, those yeah. were the big ones. Those are probably yeah, probably the most widely seen. Yeah, and you played uh, different variations of a sort of slightly disturbing child <laughs> for, <laughs> in for, different for, ways. Yeah, yeah. Right. One wasn't a child at all, I guess by by some measure. What, but AI? Uh, yeah, AI was that was uh, that was pretty different, but. I get, may, maybe disturbing, but you no, know, no. I mean, I don't mean yeah, disturbing. Just yeah. emotionally, sort of, uh, you know, painfully aware and 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 and, yeah. and troubled, but but in, intense. I think is the word. Sure, intense. Yeah, yeah. and that we're just naturally like that. I get, I mean, it really comes from the material because this, you know, when the Sixth Sense came about, I was also doing like you know. Uh, half-hour network comedy at the time. And then sure. you get a script like that, and it's like, oh, you know, it's it's a, it's a lot to think about. And particularly, I remember the first time reading the script for AI, which yeah. was a very, very, very powerful script. And I was 12 when I first read that, and that was really a script I remember where you're like, oh, I got to think about things in that context, though, because it's a, it's a, a an epic that sort of encapsulates yeah. the entire end of humanity and everything, and, uh, which is a lot to think about. But, yeah, it uh, is. Yeah, generally on, <laughs> yeah. on any day, that's a lot to especially think about. now. Yeah. So when so you're 12 when you first see that? Yeah, when I first read that. So yeah. when when you sit down with your father, what what was the conversation around that? That one we, I don't remember talking so much about the overall you know, philosophy, that movie or whatever I, with what we worked a lot with on that one was that there's a, a big specificity to, uh, every movement that he makes. And there's no, that behavior, very first scene behavior. when he comes in and yeah. he's close on the shoes and yeah. the, the, that whole first act of the movie, which is, you know, so expertly done by Steven is all about those little specific things as he sort of grows into this sense of humanity. And yeah, I just remember, you know, pre- going at home, practicing the toe taps and the movement of the head and everything and the not blinking, which became a, you know, <laughs> sort of a, a thing that we kept going for the whole movie. So, oh really? Yeah, so like yeah. No blinking. He never blinks until he closes his eyes at the end. Yeah. How did you, fucking do that i guess a take is a take <laughs> you know, like you know how long is it practice take, really? but it was you know, really it's like yeah takes in movies aren't that long right so um, right you're not you know you, you, the initial thought is like how yeah. do you keep your eyes and, open and hiding it from when you turn away from the camera or something like that a whole bunch of stuff but actually i was just doing um a music video for john wayne where i'm lip syncing underwater and i was like oh i remember this because in ai we were underwater and not blinking and in this music video i have oh, to kind of do that, that. yeah that was an eerie shot <laughs> yeah yeah now Spielberg working with Spielberg uh when you're entering into that it must be sort of like oh my god 
I'm gonna yeah. have, what, what was the audition process for AI? We just met for for that one. Uh, so he had you in it. mind? Yeah, I believe so. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we just met and uh, talked about it in very vague terms because uh, we didn't get the, the completed script for a while because there's a lot of secrecy around that one. Mm-hmm. But uh, That was originally a Kubrick script, right? Well, Or no, Kubrick, that was Minority Report. Was it AI? Kubrick, it was AI. Kubrick yeah. was involved. He, had, he and uh, Spielberg had known each other for a while and Kubrick came to him and said, I think this is closer to your sensibility. Let's make this a, I believe this the quote a stanley kubrick production of a steven spielberg film so steven was always going to be the director for it and then and, stanley uh, died right before we got started yeah uh-huh. and and an additional you know uh, bit of tragedy with that is that I, according to christiane kubrick I've, I've heard her say that he was sort of getting fed up as being thought of as this recluse and this kind of eccentric guy and uh um, was planning on maybe doing a little bit of press, maybe coming to America, maybe start of starting a new chapter in his relationship oh, with the rest of the world, yeah. which I think is a sad thing to have missed out on if that was the case. Yeah, yeah. Or, or not. I mean, maybe we all want to keep him sort of <laughs> in that secluded. In that mysterious, yeah, yeah. yeah. As, uh, as the, Did you see the um, uh, the exhibit they had two summers yes, ago? I did. Oh my god, at uh, LACMA? that was incredible. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. then have you seen that weird documentary about The Shining? Of the, all the people? Yes, yeah. What, what is it called? Room 137? Room 237, yeah. Really That's enjoyed that. crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a great essay in uh, Harper's, I think it's Jay Roach, I apologize if I get the author wrong, where he's talking about reviewing that film and some like traumatic memories from his childhood. And he says, The Shining is becomes this movie that is just this expanding black hole that absorbs all context until everything is just referencing this one you know I'm, just, yeah. I'm doing the quote but I kind of like I love thinking about the movie in that way is that it's so large that it, you know and it's so uh, expertly done in you know in formal terms that it can just absorb anything you want to put into it even oh crazy I see theories. what you're saying right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. it's so precise in a way. And so, but leaving enough, uh, it, I, that movie really fucked with my head. Yeah. I mean, one, a couple of them are just nuts, but one of them was sort of like, well, it is kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how intentional was that? Yeah. And well, and there's the thing is that when you, when you're so good at choosing the people to collaborate with and you're so good with those technical things that well, like even accidents and sort stuff. of start to be because there's the, the the one the first time you see the two a flash of the two little girls in yeah. blue and the blood coming out of the elevator right. the music that's playing I didn't, I didn't think about this until very recently the music that's playing is, is the Penderecki piece The Awakening of Jacob which is the story in the Bible where he you know has the dream where he sees the angels moving up and down the ladder and it's this it's God's promise of good things on earth Wow. and I was like oh there's the two girls, maybe those are the two angels. Instead of a ladder to heaven, Kubrick's is an elevator of blood coming up from hell. Up from hell. Which is just like, but so, I don't know if that's the intention. And he had a music supervisor. I don't know if he chose that piece of music. Well, that's it's just, the, that's the, yeah. yeah, that's the interesting thing about those coincidences yeah. is that, uh, you know, was Kubrick, someone said, I think, in that movie that he was operating on so many levels of genius, you know, that like he was playing chess on three different levels. Yeah. You know, that he had that kind of brain. Yeah. But still, it seemed like an awful lot to manage. And maybe it was just uh, serendipitous that he was so in, in sync with his with his people yeah. who were making decisions. But like around that Calumet flower, the sugar, whatever it was, the Indian. Oh, the Indian? Yeah. yeah. Or just that the, the hotel doesn't make any physical sense. Have you ever seen the, well, um, they talk about in the documentary. Yeah. Where nothing right. fit. The gold room doesn't fit. Right. Everything is changing all the time. P- extras in the first scene in the when people are checking out of the hotel are walking into, you know, blank walls and things. Right. It's just absolutely insane. How, yeah. He, he had a, a map of the hedge maze because they really built it. And, yeah. And they said that he, you know the crew would get it 
and then Stanley would come in on the weekend and change it. So people would walk in and get lost, and they'd just hear his booming laugh from overway in the in the maze. So yeah, that, it, someone who trippy, got that man. enjoyment of trapping I just, people. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm just sort of fascinated with the idea, you know, with set deck in general and how things work out. I guess if everyone's operating. Uh, at the best of their ability, and they're all gifted people. Yeah, uh, you know, you're going to get something amazing. How'd yeah. you know that about that song? Um, I am a big fan of Radiohead and Johnny Greenwood, who does some classical compositions. Uh-huh. I don't know if you could strictly call it classical. He does a lot of stuff. Um, he was a big fan of uh, Christoph Penderecki, and then who is I Christoph th- Penderecki? He was an avant-garde. I believe he's maybe still alive. Uh huh. Um, an avant-garde Polish composer. Who okay. Does very dissonant. Uh, I, I don't know music theory, but it's it's a very specific. So it's you know related to like Ligeti and, and all of those other composers. And you knew that century composers, right? That he did. Yeah. So he's one of those guys that is sort of uh, not a guy but a, a, a trippy guy it can sound really you know dissonant and everything uh-huh. the other um you know like the 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 moon bus in 2001 yeah. that really eerie uh, yeah. uh cor- choral thing that's going on but uh yeah yeah so you dig that music i really do but you also yeah. know that bible story yes I, that at the time i was reading the um i think it's in, in this one harold bloom's uh, the shadow of a great rock uh-huh. where he's going through the bible and the torah and and you know ju- just uh, t- talking about it in, a, in a, an aesthetic context yeah, just in an aesthetic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now he's taking out any sort of religious so, things uh, and just you talking mean, uh, about literature. The presumed authors of there's like the J writer and and this trying to trace the the sort of clues into who wrote various who may have written various uh, portions of the Torah and the Bible. Right. So and then comparing that to like the King James book and the and the choices that people made in translation. What did like, you learn? Uh, a lot. I'm, I'm I haven't finished that one yet. But talking about the committee of men that put together the King James Bible was just a fascinating fascinating group of people who you know just had to make these decisions and and one one thing that sticks out is he, he calls uh, Harold Bloom he says that uh there's the, there's the terse coiled energies of Hebrew that had to be translated into English rhythms and everything uh-huh. and so yeah it's a great book oh, he's a good writer that he guy is, yeah, yeah he's a literary critic yes yeah so I, I've not read much of him I've read a little I, I've done I've, I've slowed down on my reading in general it's hard these days, <laughs> right? I just, when I wake up and I, I spend attention. twenty minutes on Twitter, and I'm like, "Oh man, what the hell happened?" I just got started with that a couple months ago. I got the attention span of a child. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, what what kind of religion were you brought up with? We, um, uh, our whole family going back is is uh, Irish Catholic. For, yeah. Are you 100 percent Irish? Uh, a little bit of German and a little bit of English, I believe. Did you yeah. were you practicing Catholics? Uh, yeah, the family was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so you went to the whole church business? Did, did the Here in yeah. L.A.? Uh, Catholic y- church in L.A.? Yes. Yeah, wow. my parents are married in Birmingham, but yeah. 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 But I mean, but yeah, yeah but I mean, so you went to church as a kid. We did, yeah. Made yeah. time for that. We did. Yeah. Along with school and shooting movies. It was, yeah, busy schedule. <laughs> yeah. Do they still go? Uh, yeah, they do. Oh. Yeah. We we all go at Christmas and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, at Christmas. Yeah. Oh, the big day. The Eastern. Nice yeah, the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> so you're brought up with the uh, Catholic faith, which is a very ornate and... Uh, it is, yeah. Uh, 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 lyrical. Yeah. <laughs> is that the word I want? <laughs> sure. I <know>. Elaborate. Elaborate. <laughs> There's a lot of pageantry. Yes, that's yeah. right. Do you uh, you still practice, kind of? Me, not so much, no. Yeah. But, Let yeah, it drift? It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a nice... It's kind of the thing. It's like having that cultural identification. Is sure, nice, yeah, I know. You know. As a Jew, yeah. we have yeah. that as well. Yeah. So getting back to Steven Spielberg. So yeah. as a director, how do he handle you? Uh, he's he's extraordinary. You yeah. Know? And and someone who to this day will send a note on birthdays and graduation. Really. And to someone who's 
you know, like digital Rolodex must run into the hundreds of thousands. He uh-huh. really keeps up with with people and is, uh, yeah, just really cool that way. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, how yeah. did he, but like how did he direct you? What was it like like you know? It seemed like you were putting a lot of work into your physicality and yeah, and you're making decisions with him around the not blinking and stuff. Yeah, I I just remember um, one of the great luxuries of working on a movie like that is that we went to his home, me and Jude and Francis O'Connor. And we're able to rehearse for for days with him. And I remember him having me and Jude walk around his pool in the Hamptons because yeah. we had because Jude had done extensive uh, like kabuki and ballet and really? all, all the, like months of dancing lessons for his because his he played a, a male right. prostitute robot. And uh, so he want you know they were trying to find a good thing because my character walks in a certain way and Jude walks in a certain way and we had their electronic uh, teddy bear. Yeah, we all wanted us having a kind of almost wizard of Audian, <laughs> wizard of Ozian. Kind Did of somebody thing bring that together. up? No, that's just that just came to me. Now. Oh, wizard of Ozian. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I wonder if he was thinking that. Did no one brought that up on set? Huh? No, uh, no. It's kind of funny though. <laughs> Maybe it's a long time ago. I don't want to take credit for it. No, but, but like because uh, yeah. I, I you know Spielberg is. A own genius yeah well how does that how did that uh sort of uh sh- show itself when you were working with him what, what was the moment where you're like oh god this guy's we uh were working simultaneously and i believe four sound stages and had a significant portion of the warner lot sealed off for us uh-huh. and a you know, on the call sheet just hundreds of crew members and he was able to walk from set to set doing work here a little bit of work here a little bit of work with me a little bit of groundbreaking work with CGI with right. ILM and to do it with a very even keeled calm manner it was it was uh-huh. crazy to watch really? and also would be someone who like Al Gore would call this was yeah. during the election in right, 2000 right. You, know, you know Mr. Spielberg the vice president's on the phone sort of uh, thing so. tell him to wait yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and, and he also you know he's he just um, he works with a lot of the same crew and the same ADs and, and wonderful producers and uh, uh, Kathleen Kennedy produced that one right Right and uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, just a really great thing to be a part of. So, Night Shyamalan, what 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 do you think happened to that guy? Oh, he's been very successful. I just saw him recently, and he's, uh, he's been doing. This is a, a question you've been asked before. One. No, I I uh, I uh, really enjoyed his movies, and particularly um, Unbreakable. I think is really I love Unbreakable. Yeah, but that was before years, wasn't it? No, that was, was after. Oh, it was right yeah, after. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it's sort of a very dark superhero right. movie years before that became right. a big thing. Right. Yeah, he was he was five years ahead of you know, and that, that was stuff. Bruce Willis too. That was Bruce Willis as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how did you like working with Bruce? I loved it. Yeah, he was great. Is he a pretty what solid dude? He was. Yeah, a lot of fun. Does he send and, you uh, a birthday card? He did. We got some. We got <laughs> some. Uh, we went to Japan together for the press tour. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, just a, just a really really cool guy. Now, when did yeah. okay? So working with Spacey too, that must have been sort of an education somehow. That was really cool. Yeah, because he seems to be a very disciplined kind of interesting actor. Yeah, very very poised. Yeah, a lot of lot of screen presence with that right. guy. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's really amazing, and. Um, yeah, I see him from time to time too. Yeah, he really. Yeah, he, and, he and the family really got along really well. So. Oh yeah, yeah. And, now and you, Helen too. Now, when did your parents stop going to sets with you? What movie was that? When I was because when I did Secondhand Lions um, with Michael Caine and Robert Duvall, that was uh, when I was fourteen. We shot that, and then I went into high school really intensively. Oh, those two guys are heavy. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Yeah, and we just had like fifty six days at this one 
like ranch in Texas, just the three of us most of the time. And uh, yeah, that was that was really. Did special. you get any wisdom from those two? Well, yeah, both of them. Uh, and Kane's stories were about acting, but also, I mean, he fought in the Korean War. You know, he's telling stories about meeting up at some some midway point before he went to Korea with the British Army and meeting American GIs on the way to Vietnam in, you know, and they're really? like, where are you going, Korea? Where's that? Where are you going, Vietnam? I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, and seeing, I remember, if I'm remembering correctly, he's talking about seeing human wave attacks from unarmed Chinese soldiers and stuff. So a, a crazy, crazy life. Right. But And with Duvall, uh, I don't think I've ever met someone who is so protective of the other actors and protective of the process in in that we had a scene where he's in a nightgown mm-hmm. in a freezing lake we're shooting it late at night we shot his stuff first so he could be dry and get out of the lake and they turned around on me and they got, brought him his coat he goes no no I'm going out there and did his off camera stuff 75 years old standing in freezing water just for my off camera stuff so and that's commitment yeah respect, and, and, and you just see like a tradition of that of you know someone who, who has been protecting the, the actors process for you know decades oh yeah, yeah, I love that guy. Yeah. And then after that, you say you just walked into school for a while? Yeah, applying to college is crazy. <laughs> right. So with, you know, a lot of like APs and, you know, the sort of uh, extracurricular stuff at school that you need to, to build your college resume, um, basically sophomore, junior, and senior year of high school, I was just there the whole time. And then by then I was 18, and since then it's just been just been me on the road. <laughs> yeah, but the yeah. plan is... The plan was to go to college. Always, yeah. And, and to study acting. Well, that I actually wasn't sure of. I, I applied to, to a, a variety of schools, and it took until the uh, college trip uh, on the East Coast and just going to NYU and going yeah. to the building where I right. ultimately go to school for five years. I just had this feeling there of, oh, this is where I want to be. You went you know? to NYU? I did, yeah. Yeah, so it's a, and and the visit there, there was a lot of really beautiful campuses, visit a lot of yeah. cool schools, but NYU's building was like, oh, there's work happening here. Right. And the guy giving the presentation was about to go run off and, you know, run some production or something. It was it was What nice. was the program you were in over there? Uh the experimental theater wing. Oh yeah. yeah. Which is uh, uh uh generally speaking comes from the uh the theater work of uh, Jerzy Grotowski, who's another great Polish artist. Uh-huh. So, yeah. And what 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 does that work in, in require? What was nice is that the at Tisch there's several studio a lot of studios and you know one is a Stella Adler studio, one is the Meisner studio, there was a Strasberg studio all under those uh, All within NYU? Yeah, and the musical theater and all sorts of stuff. And at ETW, uh, there was, a, I think, the greatest available variety for stuff. So we did like Afro-Haitian dance and uh, and Bogart stuff and Mary Overly's viewpoints. Wait, wait, and, I don't know what any of that is. Uh, it's a lot of like Mary Overly is this great minimalist theater artist. And she had created these six um, sort of stems with which you could evaluate and describe and choreograph minimalist uh, um, uh, physical work, hmm. you know, among other things. And that fed into self-scripting where we would just have like a four hour class in the afternoon and you'd either start with a movement or a situation or just a, a power uh, unbalance between two actors or something and find this nugget of an idea and then have, you know quickly spin it out into something else you know so this is like antithetical to uh, uh, to Hollywood yes yeah and that's why I they you know they place you in I a, mean this is barely uh, usable <laughs> In, <laughs> no, but it really it it, it no no. You know, I just mean yeah. like you know when that this is an esoteric theater like yeah. art you know like yeah. experimental theater is is 
obviously it exists and it should exist and mm-hmm. it's great sometimes yeah. <laughs> but when it's not it's it's horrendous that's the risk yeah <laughs> so what were these other things that, so there that was that uh, that the bogart technique what were the other things you mentioned um well with with grotowski who was probably the the, the overall, probably dude. the biggest influence yeah. a lot of our professors had studied with him in france in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and his his stuff is uh, difficult to put into words sometimes, but um, one thing would be like plastique. So you'd have these very specific, repetitive physical movements that are done in an exercise, and then you know there's you know emotionality comes right. into it, and you can you might have a scene that you're working on with a partner, but it sort of can detour off into these physical movements and everything. Huh. And we're doing a lot of contact improv. We had people who'd been involved with the uh, uh, the Judson Church uh, dance community, which is some really uh, forward thinking. Uh, uh, choreography and stuff. Huh. So yeah, just a really, really fun environment to be around. But like, what was, what did you think you were going to uh, sort of pursue out of that? I, uh, what I, it's funny to remember now is that I just knew that going to college would be important and to study with people my own age, which I hadn't had the opportunity to do a lot when I was doing uh, as an actor. Yeah, as an actor, and I was going to see how it was, and I, you know, I wasn't sure if I would be staying. And one of the, one of the, uh, um, uh great things about NYU is that they were very accommodating to allowing me go to go off and do um, uh, work. Uh, you know, I did an independent film in 2008, although as soon as I did that and then this play on Broadway, I had so many credits to make up. I was like, I'm just going to stay and finish everything. What'd you do on Broadway? Uh, American Buffalo, the mammoth play. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. seen that before. Yeah, I've seen that play. done. Duval, I think, was in the original production. Was he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he played Teach. He did, yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. And who was, was that Pacino? Uh, I believe so. In the I can't know. He might have been the L.A. I, I saw Pacino do it in Boston. Yeah. And oh, I, nice. And I was, but that was it. Was a it was a revival already. Yeah. I wonder who originated. So how long did you run with that? We only ran like a month. Didn't, I think. didn't catch we did on. Not, we did not get good reviews. It needed to be a little bit tighter. Um, you know, because you, you played the junkie. The yeah. And yeah. who played Teach? Uh, John Leguizamo. Really? Yeah, yeah. And who played the other guy? Uh, Cedric the Entertainer. So that's a that's a clown show. No, there. it was it was uh you know Cedric's great. He is. Well, John's okay, but I just mean like you know there's a lot of ways you can play that. It is, and and the main thing is that it needs to at least be tight. And we had a really short rehearsal schedule, and it just the, we you know after we got bad reviews, we started knocking ten minutes off the running time and started to actually pick up and everything. But it just you know it needed to be a little bit tighter when it came out. So yeah. okay, so you now when you go out into the world and you're doing this stuff, are people like that is a kid from the thing? Sometimes, yeah, yeah. That's the you know, it's the double-edged sword of of being in a film like that is that you become so strongly identified with it. But I also am you know am lucky enough to where it was so long ago that you get older and you know now you were just you know talking earlier about playing you know the the heavy the bad guy and uh, right. And but it's things. weird, yeah. like the, you know this. Well, I mean, it's not like it's not quite uh, like Macaulay Culkin, but I mean, but your face and your the idea. I, there's something about making an impact as a child actor that people just can't seem to to forget it, it takes a while <laughs> and, so I, I imagine that people look at you and they're just sort of like oh there's a, he's in there that kid's in there still <laughs> i see him in there perhaps but uh was that was that challenging for you to like on an ego level i mean obviously it seems to me that that going to nyu kind of buffered the transition yeah but uh, was there like sort of uh did you feel it like where did you feel like 
Like, did work slow down at all, or did you? I mean, I didn't appear in a lot of things between 07 and, like, 2012. There was, like, a four- or five-year period, but that was, it was nice because it was, you know, I was very busy in those years right. on that stuff. Right. And uh, it's, you know, I just, uh, I didn't have any really concrete expectations of, you know, what the career would be like. Just I wanted to be in a position to continue to make different work. And I always wanted to make work of my own, which we had the opportunity to do at ETW and develop stuff that I want to you know, you work do? with now. I wrote and uh, directed a play for my final project in my final year, which is an idea that I may be, you know, turn into something else uh, hopefully soon. Um, but yeah, just, you know, and normally Wait, like can't I always... talk about it? Not yet, because I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully going to be coming out with it uh, uh, soon when, uh, when we're through Entourage and all that stuff to do a movie uh, a or, series actually oh yeah because when I was in college I was still you know writing something that would be thinking of a screenplay or a movie and now this is just such a a fertile time for series and you know having watched all these shows now thinking of ideas as something that can unfold over a number of years you know is kind sure, of sure you gotta wait a year for the next season now right with yeah. some things yeah I know I, I, I didn't know that uh, Mad Men still had some closure to do yeah <laughs> it was like didn't that end yeah <laughs> oh yeah because they do the half season like yeah, Breaking yeah it was Bad. like the yeah. last one was like how long ago was that I know okay so you're gonna do that yeah and that was so. born out of your experimental theater years. It was certainly shaped by it. I'd always wanted to write things, but it changed just in the process. Like when, when I would, you know, write, write a screenplay or something when I was younger. Yeah. Um, it would be you'd have an idea for a story and you have the beginning, middle and end and you try and write through that. And with ETW, we would just come up with these like you just a strong character or an idea or something um, kind of loose and sort of work outwards from the middle and oh, yeah, find yeah. out where that cool. character has a home. And that to me in, in the writing process is really suited, you know, a series idea for things that where you may not know what the end point is yet but you're starting and you built this character for this series out of improvisations and experimental yes they they began with uh with you know some of them did yeah and like like, have you directed before i mean have you done any directing film directing or anything no would love to do that but just that one just that one thing in college is the only thing i've directed but um would, would love to do it again yeah so in a way you're kind of like this is a whole new uh start to your career you're still like a young guy yeah how old are you 27 it's crazy, man. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel like you've been in movies for, you know, decades. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's nuts, man. Now, are you yeah. married or? No, not married. No, uh-huh. I got, got a girlfriend right now, but uh, not married, no. And how's it like? Yeah. Didn't you get in some trouble a little while ago? About 10 years ago, yeah. Oh, yeah does that still I, hang on you? Do people say? No, people have been, been good about it, you know, and it was a terrible mistake, you know, wrapped my car around something. But, uh, yeah, it was like 10 years ago, and it shouldn't take a lesson like that, but uh, of course it should. lesson learned, yeah. <laughs> were, you, were you in a situation where you were out of control at that no, time? No, it was just, just bad night? high school recklessness. You oh, know? it's high and school. It's, yeah, and it's just, you know, this is L.A., and, you know, you're driving from place to place and shouldn't have been driving, you know. Yeah. So, and what and what do you do like on a what are your day to day sort of shit that you do now that you are you're just doing promo for a movie now? Yeah. Well, what's your life look like? I'm you a, write? Uh yeah, writing out here. It's it's harder for me and it's so stupid, but like I you know, I prefer to live in New York. I still have a place out there. You do? Yeah. And uh, I just fell in love with that city. And weirdly a lot of the people I grew up with that I was friends with in high school are also on the East Coast now. So it's odd coming back and working in LA and it's like, oh, all so the you people spend I most of your time in New York. When I can, yeah. I was there for about seven years completely, you know. You just bought an apartment over there? 
over there? Yeah, yeah. And still got it. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love working there. But this uh, this season, been writing in the, this early part of 2015, been writing in L.A. We just did the second uh, season to uh, The Spoils of Babylon, which was oh, a, on, a on IFC. I'm mean, yeah, work on yeah. We're, our, we're channel brothers. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's with uh, Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig and Michael K. Williams is, and, and Maya Rudolph. And everybody so. wrote on it? No, it's uh, uh, Andrew Steele and Matt Piedmont wrote it. Um, yeah. Yes, Andrew yeah. Steele from SNL. Right? Yeah, they both they both were on a, on SNL. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you do Did you host SNL? No, I have not. Oh, yeah. God yeah. damn it! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would thought that they yeah, that you would have done it when you were a kid. Maybe. I'm kind of glad I didn't do this again. <laughs> yeah, you think it would have fucked you up? No, it's just like that's a big, that's a huge honor. I'd love to do it with a, you know, just as a uh, with the the brain of an adult. You know? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. You seem to be appearing in movies that 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 uh, I I don't know. <laughs> what happened to Sex Ed? Uh, that had a, a release and I believe should be streaming pretty soon. Yeah, we, yeah. We had a great cast and we had Matt Walsh and Retta. And funny. Uh, Lorenzo Izzo, very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. what's the other movie? Where'd you shoot in Nashville? In Charlotte, which is not quite as interesting in Nashville, uh, doing Tusk last year. What is Tusk? It's the Kevin Smith movie with. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, about the Johnny podcast. Depp. There's a podcast. That's right. right. Yeah, it is yeah, a that podcasty one. And oh, and uh, how was that? How was working with Kevin? Uh, he's great. He, we we all got along so well that the whole cast came back for a second movie that we just finished in the fall, um, uh, Yoga Hosers, which is Johnny's back for that, and yeah. Justin and Genesis and everybody. So yeah. what is that about? I play a Canadian Nazi. Uh, in one part of the story, a real character named uh, Adrian Arcand. Yeah. He was this nasty guy in Quebec in the 30s who was a Hitler admirer. And then... So this is based on fact? Uh, yeah, my character is based on a... It's a heightened version of a real horrible guy that was yeah, that right. actually lived in Canada. And then the rest of the movie is... Uh, can't give too much away, but it's kind of a spinoff of Tusk in that there are two characters who appear very briefly in Tusk and then this movie is sort of what's happening to them while the Tusk storyline is happening. And like, are your folks still around? Oh yeah, yeah. I was uh, just uh, saw my dad today. My mom's still teaching. Just just. Well, no, yeah, we talked about yeah, that. But your yeah. dad's still. What's he doing? Absolutely. For he uh, he, uh, he and I um, uh, work on houses. We uh, he's uh, he worked in construction. He built the uh, uh, the Santa Monica. He was a foreman on the Santa Monica Pier Arcade and the uh, Japanese American Museum. Was so. this after the? the this theater? was in the '90s. Yeah, after after the Equity Wars and the theater shut down. So yeah, he's. Uh, so you do yeah. you work on houses? He he remodels houses. Yeah, and he. Uh, what does uh, he's he a flip great designer. them? Uh, not flip them, but does uh, uh, does remodeling work and stuff like that? And yeah. you do that with him? Uh, no, we just we invest in things together. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, You're yeah. not like so, yeah. like so people who hire him to do their house they don't come. No. Home and say like, not me, isn't no. that Howie Joel Osment no. working? No, right he's now? not doing construction, but he does the design and stuff like that. So yeah. for remodels, yeah, and and for stuff like that. Yeah, he's he's always been really good with uh, with that stuff. Wow. Yeah. And what do you do for hobby, buddy? I am a big sports fan. Been seeing almost every Dodger home game this year, which has been fun. And then I'm also geeking out on your guitars because I'm I uh, play music uh, just to entertain myself as well. You keep busy. Yeah. What yeah. do you do? Any athletics yourself? Yeah, I love in uh, love uh, mountain biking around here. Yeah. Play a little play a little golf, play a little tennis. So, golf. Yeah. Explain that to me. That well, that's the naturally goes with the business. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, have you been playing a long time? Yeah, since I was a kid. Yeah, because you go on location in you know Texas or something like that. It's uh, it's a fun thing to do on the weekend. A lot yeah, but I never, I never, no one's ever taken me golfing. I'll, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll go with you. Do you love yeah, it? Yeah, I do. I really love it. What? what yeah. What's the appeal? Explain to me the because people have such an amazingly deep relationship with golf. It's hard to explain because it's very frustrating, but that's also the thing that. 
there's like a zen quality to it where it, well, it I hear, is a, i keep hearing that it's a good way to just because the, the movement is so complex and the only way to accomplish it is to not think about it while you're doing it right and just developing the feel for something as weird as that sport and then whenever you succeed we ever get it where you're supposed to go it's an amazing feeling and it's nice being outside yeah it's nice being outside and, yeah. and, and it, it's quiet yeah and you're just walking or slowly driving yes from yeah. hole to hole yeah so it's the whole sort of i just my, my friend i worked on alpha house with she just told me she went to versailles and did you know that at versailles you can drive golf carts around uh-huh. drinking rosé alpha house like, what's that <laughs> it's this show um with john goodman that uh we did two seasons of on amazon Oh, okay. So, That's right. Yeah, but I just, the golf cart made me think about it because I never pictured Versailles as a place where people are driving little cars around. Well, I mean, you know, they, you got to see the ground somehow. It's huge, yeah. yeah have you been, have you spent time in Europe? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. And uh, I did not do our summer program with ETW, but I did visit our studio there when a lot of my friends were training there over the summer. Um, in Amsterdam, that's where our our summer program is so. for NYU. Yeah, for for, for, for the, ETW. What, yeah. what does that stand for again? Uh, Experimental, Experimental Theater, Theater Wing. Wing. Yeah. So this this is a crew that you work with. Have ever have the any of the people you you went to college with? Are they sort of like uh, 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 doing? amazing things in experimental theater it's been yes definitely one of my friends was hired immediately by Cirque du Soleil and I've seen him in Vegas a couple ah, times so and that's... then also my friend Sarah Sutherland is on Veep right now playing Julia Louis-Dreyfus's daughter uh, my friend oh, I saw her yeah, yeah, yeah she's fantastic and then she was at school with you yeah she was in my class my, oh, yeah? my, my small group of 12 uh-huh. people for all four years and then uh, Alex Anfanger who was two years ahead of me his show, uh, Big Time on Hollywood, Florida, is on Comedy Central now. Which is so it's crazy because everybody's coming out here and you see those. Them don't pop sound up. very experimental to me. Yeah, but if you, they have a series. He and Dan Shimp have this thing that I, I did an episode of called uh, Next Time on Lonnie, that I think is is a very specific sort of comedy that comes out of the kind of stuff that they did. That right, right. They have been influenced in some way. I, I can't speak to their process, but they they have a really distinct voice, and I think that um, our our program may have uh, contributed to them. So, in in terms of the Entourage movie, were you on the TV series as well? No, I wasn't. So it was just a casting. You, uh, you, yeah, you got, just audition. Yeah, isn't Constance Zimmer? Is she in that? Yes, she is. She's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. she played. She did an episode of my show this year. Oh, I, cool. Yeah, she's great. We were just in uh, D.C. with the uh, Creative Coalition um, a couple weeks ago. What is that? We were lobbying members of Congress for NEA funding for for the arts and for education. Really? Yeah. You know, really, really cool experience. Who else went out there for that? Uh, Tim Daly was there, and uh, Gabare Sidibe, and my sister, and like about a dozen people came, and and we broke into small groups and went and met with uh, Boehner's staff and McConnell's staff and uh, then some more people who were friendlier to our, our cause. Uh, Senator um, uh, Congressman Dan Kildee from Michigan um, was there. And I was paired you, up Did with, you meet uh, Boehner? Uh, no, he was not there. He sent a staff member. Um, but they were all very nice and I was actually surprised at how productive those meetings were even with republican staffs and members how do you, you know? know if it's productive because they say they're going to be do something they or? generally succeed in protecting the nea budget from being cut um, we would like more but there was a uh, a plan this year that was suggested that could potentially get to uh, one republican and one democratic member to support and to write some op-eds for to instead of getting a yearly budget on that propose a larger amount of money to be played out over five years so it was really cool and tim daly's a really smart guy and uh um, it was fun I, to watch him run those meetings. And uh, it's his, he, he put the coalition together? No, I think it was originally put together by Alec Baldwin, Susan Sarandon, and Christopher Reeve in the late 80s mm-hmm. during the initial uh So this is NEA something that happens scandal. every year. 
every year it's it's in the lead up to the white house press correspondence dinner it's uh or weekend it's you know that's when everybody's coming to washington to lobby members of congress for various uh reasons so they like to come in with a big group and, and make an impression and you were you were there i was there yeah and constance was there she was yeah and how how did they reach out to you? Is it just? Uh... I'm not sure. They just I think they reached out to my publicist. Or my publicist publicist reached out to them because I'm a big nerd about Washington stuff. But you uh, are? Yeah, yeah. I just uh, yeah. I had a studio teacher really early on during the the Clinton Dole campaign in '96 uh-huh. who had me studying the presidents and the electoral process and everything. And I've, it's always uh, been something I've been interested in. Yeah. And do you uh, are you fascinated with politics? Yes, depressed often with it, but but uh, fascinated Big with it. Big fan of the uh, d- the democratic system, the idea. Yes, of it functioning. Maybe not so much the electoral college and the district drawing that we have all over the country, but yeah, yeah some uh, tricky shit going on. There's some, and Citizens United has been a, a real a real sour development in our process too. So, uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, tough, but yeah, I mean, going back to I just watched that. Um, the Roosevelts, that yeah. Ken Burns thing, watched all 12 hours of that. And <laughs> it's pretty so, fascinating. Right? It is, yeah. Yeah, he was amazing. They yeah. all were amazing, Eleanor and uh, Teddy, too. Yeah, and they were, uh, but they come from the upper crust. Yeah. It's interesting that there were presidents, you know, George, uh, the Bushes, too, like the second Bush, like you, these complete privileged people. And But, you know, the Roosevelts, at least... Uh, seem to uh, their legacy seems to be noble yeah and and that franklin's disability made this change in him where he genuinely wanted to engage with you know people suffering and his i think it's in warm springs georgia where he'd have the the polio center with you know kids that were disabled and everything and yeah just yeah that that kind of mixture of that that guilty conscience from coming you know so high up in the you know in the right or whatever yeah. and also just to you know to like there was a time where you know people's affection and respect of that leader yeah of the president yeah was profound yeah and I, I i don't think that's happened for a while it's yeah we kind of like lack of you know we have all these terrifying problems with climate change and the middle east and and the economy and everything and there doesn't seem to be like a, a, a national purpose with but all the, it things, just seems you know? like yeah. everything's become so fragmented that yeah. like you know the oh president talks and you know who watches you know, I, you know, like it, there was a time where the president <laughs> yeah. was talking, the the country stopped. Yeah. So I just think that respect for the office in general has diminished just because it's like, when, when was that on? When did he talk? And that they can snipe at him on Twitter immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah just... Like everybody's just lowered to the, yeah. to the, to the, the lowest common denominator in a way. You're, yeah. No one's above it. Yeah. Above the, the fray. It's, yeah, it's just an ugly, yeah. ugly. I thought I heard you talk about this in a podcast recently where when it comes to like Twitter or something, if you respond to negative things, you're a jerk. And if you ignore negative things, you're aloof and terrible. And yeah. even politicians are subject to that same impossible yeah. scenario. It's just like you shouldn't you shouldn't engage them. Yeah, but it's hard not to. Yeah. Now, now you just mute them. You just make them disappear. That's the magic of Twitter. Like they can be saying that, but I don't have to see it. Yeah. I, just like enforced denial. Like I can magically just uh, you know manifest my denial by not looking at that person's garbage. Yeah. All right. Well, it's good talking to you, man. Really nice talking to you too, man. Thanks for having me. Haley Joel Osmond, nice chat. Jerry Stahl, OG Dad, is the book. Haley Joel's movie is Entourage. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. I will be uh, I will be presenting a page full of new posters soon. Can you hear that hum? 
That's a fucking... Phew. Listen to that filth. Dirty. That's dirty, dirty fuzz box. Some earthquaker box. Boomer Lee. 